Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made It in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods, and I am here with my good friend Dylan Shore. We're going to talk about 1998's Armageddon. Dylan, what is Armageddon? The movie, not the concept. Yes. Uh, Armageddon is a movie by Michael Bay starring Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Steve Buscemi, Billy Bob Thornton, Will Patton, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Dunn, Peter Stormare. There's a lot of people in this fucking movie, man. A cast of billions you could yeah. even <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to uh, every single cast member of Armageddon and oh so much more probably. Will Patton, did we say his name out loud yet? We did, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, um, before we talk about this movie, should we talk about some other movies or any other entertainment you have been consuming? What have you watched? Yes. I've been doing some rewatches. Nice. And I rewatched Vertigo, which is just... I mean, what can you say? It's a masterpiece. Consensus They're, best movie of all time, right? Isn't that? Yeah, I, I do that? really like the birds in Rear Window, but I can see why people call Vertigo his masterpiece. I'm Rear Window. I'm Team Rear Window. I think it's such a, it, it's got more for me than Vertigo. Uh, but I, <laughs> I'm with you. Like, yeah, okay. If Vertigo is the best movie of all time, I'm not going to argue with that. It's a real, <laughs> real good movie. Definitely. Um, and then I rewatched uh, Brawl on uh, Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, love that movie. Yeah, I really like Vaughn really in that movie. I do too. The writer director though is, <clears throat> I don't know. He's definitely one of a kind because he's like unflinching in what he's trying to show you, like. The violence is there and he's trying to show you this violence. He wants you to feel it. Even though it is kind of in like a, uh, for Brawl, it's more of like a fun action way. But like Bone Tomahawk, like the violence is so shocking and really well done. I don't know how to describe it. He shoots violence really well. It's very evocative for sure. Yeah, I'm also, a, I'm a huge fan of Bone Tomahawk. I'll still go to that mat for that one. Brawl and Cellback 99, yeah. you know, I like a lot. And I actually haven't seen, I'm, no, I haven't seen Dragged Across Concrete yet. It's, a good, it's fun. I liked it. <laughs> um, and then after that, I uh, watched the special features on the Before Trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about it. Right on. Easy peasy. Yes, sir. Uh, about you a couple i can talk about oh you know what i got two australian movies uh from well one from last year and one from this year you i think you brought up baby teeth in a previous episode love baby teeth it was on my top 20 of last year really loved it i I found i mean if i had made a top 20 or a top 10 for the last year it probably would have got close to the 10 for sure i don't know you know um, but yeah it was in my top 10 actually it was in my top 10 Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, I, I love it. I love the scene when uh, she uh, they're at the party getting drunk, but then she throws up and they leave and they go to the bar and that guy is karaoke baby. Yeah. Oh my God, that scene is so good, man. He, uh, what What's the kid's name? Uh, Moses. 
Moses, I was going to say Miles, uh, he just like strolls up to her with his like shoulders just kind of dancing. Oh my God, I fucking love that scene. The music throughout <laughs> all of that movie is incredible. And I found myself being so struck by what this is accomplishing as a piece of cinema that I was surprised to learn it was adapted from the stage. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that a lot of that music carries over from the stage production because they're really strong choices. Yeah, there's a good song in there, a uh, pop song by an artist named Mallrat. The song's called For Real. Nice. It's a good one. Yeah, there's a, yeah, a lot of good music. And also just, I mean, gorgeous, lush and visually dense and delicate and yeah, really accomplished. And the performances, can't say enough wonderful things about that movie. Really, really enjoyed it. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, another movie, like I said, from the Aussie side of things was Penguin Bloom. It's on Netflix right now. Which one? Penguin Bloom? Nope. Never heard of it. It's a real, it's a, adapted from a real life story of a woman who uh, suffers a spinal injury and ends up rehabilitating with the help of a magpie named Penguin. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So it's got all of those. It, it is exact. I just described exactly the movie that you're going to get, you know, uh-huh. where it sets itself a little further apart is its willingness to indulge in the pain. And I'm, uh, a, uh, have a lot of spinal issues. Some of it stemming from a, a very traumatic spinal injury. And so the way that it captures that specific suffering was very true to my experience. Um, and it was, difficult for me to watch the whole way through i mean it was like very very raw for me because of my personal experiences again the movie itself i actually think punches just a little hard and could rely on its cast because uh it stars naomi watts and she's tremendous in this thing she's always good she's always good and the script demands lines of dialogue from her that she's already given you with her eyeballs three seconds in between, you know? Gotcha. But then we have to listen to her say it and she's good enough to deliver it with passion anyway. And uh, on the other side of things, Andrew Lincoln is in this movie and he's also really, really good at conveying emotion and then is forced to say a lot of words that aren't necessary, you know? Gotcha. So it's that kind of movie, but it's um, heartwarming and it, it certainly affected me. Uh, how about a lighter note? One last one. Have you, I know you have. I saw for the first time recently A Million Ways to Die in the West. Yes. So funny. I like it. I do too. I think it's a great amount of dumb. I I think it's, yeah. I'm a fan of Seth MacFarlane's brand of humor, broadly, right? And one Uh of the things that I liked here is that the he's never going to not do cutaway humor, but because he's in this cinematic world, it forces him to like literally walk the camera over to his joke. (laughs) Yeah. And I found that effective and like more enjoyable than just snap, we're in a different place. Mm-hmm. And then the, the shocking violence, the million day, ways to die that are illustrated over and over again is also really, I mean, talk about effective violence as a director. It Definitely. really punches, man. I haven't seen that in a while. I kind of want to rewatch that. Dude, this guy's head just explodes from an ice block. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved that he put it in the Back to the Future universe. Love that. When Doc Brown pops up, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. 
And, you know, that's not the only thing. Obviously, he's a very knowing creator and I love a good meta creation. So it's doing all of the high noon. It's, it yeah. understands the tropes and it's doing genre real well while it's also skewing it. <sighs> so good. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll call it one more moment because it, it, I think it's the thing that maybe endears me to Seth MacFarlane <clears throat> is like as, as sort of crass and shitty as he can be, his ability to cut through to the truth of something I value. So like he goes on the vision quest and you yeah. have the vision quest and I really like the way that is depicted. <laughs> but then at the end of it, he also goes, or I don't know, maybe just like doing drugs in a group setting is good for your vibes and that helps people. See you. <laughs> it's so good. He's, very, he's a very smart writer. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is, and a funny, funny man. Should we talk about another hilarious movie? Hell yeah, dude. I definitely laughed my face off through a lot of this. Oh yeah, if you're an adult and you don't laugh at this movie, then something might be wrong with you. Because... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, you go ahead. Just, it was, get the book, get the book, get the book, get the book! <laughs> And I just broke. I was like, oh, okay, I got it. We're <laughs> yeah, no. If you want the drama version of this movie, watch Deep Impact, which is uh, actually, I like Deep Impact a lot. It's got some really good performances, and the story isn't just about astronauts in space trying to blow up a meteor. Really? It's about, uh, I guess this one has the people on the ground too. You got the people in the control room, you got Liv Tyler. Black. No, Deep Impact certainly makes more of an effort to humanize the story and give yeah. it like interpersonal stakes. Absolutely. Armageddon is never dealing with anything other than global consequences. Yes, but they do add the stakes at the end for uh, Ben Affleck when he draws the straw. Sure. Or whatever the fuck he draws. Not a straw. A piece of water or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's like the that's the big emotional stakes of the movie <laughs> and he's like who they hate each other throughout this whole fucking movie and then finally he's like dude you better fucking take care of my kid like just do it and he's like harry don't die it's like come on it's I, for how long this movie is it's so rushed <laughs> I, I got a lot to say about all of those things you just said i want to call out another movie kind of an anchor point to this conversation rather than deep impact as the drama anchor i would put forth apollo 13 i think this movie is trying to be apollo 13 in its mm. you know reverence for problem solving and mm. the spirit of ingenuity yeah yeah and that's fair it gives us those moments of sort of like control room drama especially when we get Liv tyler in there screaming about how that's her family up you know yeah. but <laughs> the other okay i got a whole i got some takes on this movie this is the first time i've ever seen this movie oh really truly oh wow i saw this in theaters opening night with my mom and sister and i remember obviously like i have a soft spot for this movie i know it's bad i love to watch it and make fun of it uh but as a kid like i really liked it i thought it was a cool uh, action movie and I remember getting teary-eyed at the end when Ben Affleck's going Harry knows like Harry <laughs> that 
those moments definitely fall flat for me at every oh as an adult a hundred percent man (laughs) where it does succeed i want to give it some credit because i'm just gonna savage this thing but when we're clipping along in set pieces and there's just the language of cinema of like okay is he gonna make it through the door Uh uh-huh is he gonna get reach the eh? okay that is almost effective enough to keep me on board with this thing, you know? But yeah. then it turns itself to a human moment that it doesn't earn at all. And I'm like, oh, right. This yeah. movie is god awful. And it's not just that. The, I think it's really poorly directed, even for Michael Bay's brand of poor direction. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna say I'm a fan of Michael Bay, but I have generally defended his eye for action and his ability to craft a this type of movie. But I asked, sorry, no problem. No problem. This thing visually only exists in close-ups, and oh, the oh action my. choreography is sloppy at best. Yes. So I just am never sure of where I am or what's happening at all, and I also don't care fair (laughs) uh i will say actually i do think this is one of his poorly directed movies i think pearl harbor actually has better directed scenes than armageddon and pearl harbor is a much worse movie uh like way worse (laughs) but there's something about this like especially the first half i dig on the training stuff like Although it's so ridiculous, it's so ridiculous, but I like him pulling the team together. I don't know why. I like that. I love getting the band together. This is the worst version of it I have ever seen, and it makes me angry. Fair. That's sort of what I'm talking about with, uh, okay, so I'm going to throw out some names of some directors that could have made this movie way, way better, and it would have been different, but I already mentioned Ron Howard could have made this movie this exact same script, he would have delivered a much more entertaining, much more emotionally compelling movie. You know who would have killed this fucking thing? Robert Zemeckis, speaking of Back to the Future universe. This has Zemeckis written all over it because we need swishy nonsense that is winning to go along with this. To go the other direction, I actually want this to be a Roland Emmerich movie. I think that's the problem. It needs to be that, that's where, this feels like a Roland Emmerich movie to me. It like, feels like a Roland Emmerich movie stacked on top of a Ron Howard movie. I'd see, no, it doesn't even feel like a Michael Bay movie. At no point I, does it even feel like a Michael... It, it, his authorial voice, as <laughs> Michael Bay as it is, is lost in this thing. So it's hard to even criticize him as a well, filmmaker. And where I do find him is his like hateful bullshit. The moments that were this movie like destroys the Godzilla guy instead yeah. of Chris Tucker who's being the actual asshole or the Chris fa- Tucker. Uh, sorry, um Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin. Yeah. Um or the fact that this movie has two different people in it that are credited as Dr. Nerd. I don't know. How about yeah. Steve Buscemi is a pedophile? Yeah. And that's hilarious. Well, that's been done twice now too. Con Air, he was a pedophile. Okay, but at least in Con Air, he's a criminal pedophile. He's criminally uh, yeah. a pedophile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's uh, whatever and action movies are replete with this stuff and michael bay is certainly not the worst among them right but i mean he does have really bad action movies yeah he's got some really good like i thoroughly enjoy bad boys too i love bad boys too it's not the greatest fucking movie but i love it i think the action scenes are dope Right, but that's, that's kind of my point, is Bad Boys 2 has a similar reputation for being hateful. The, it also has Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, who I thoroughly am truly big fans of. I, I love Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, so that also is a huge driving point. And Joey Pants. I'm a fan of those movies, man. Like, Joey Pants. Them, I actually really enjoy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Michael Bay is the problem with those movies because where we get like any extra moment of business, anything that would be a characterization or an opportunity for us to orient ourselves in this world, Uh Bay chooses something really like very stereotypically toxically masculine every single time. Yeah. I'm also, I think that, I think Armageddon, is actually the birth of Bayham. That terminology for his style of directing. And like, this is it. This is an early working of it to where it's nonsensical directing. There's so much going on, so much camera movement that is unnecessary, completely unnecessary. And so I really do feel like this is the birth of Bayham. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's dripping with that stuff because I needed it to settle down the whole time. It's like, why, why are we this close to people right now? This is a comedy beat. You shouldn't be extreme close up on eyeballs. What are you yeah. doing, maniac? So weird. Um, oh my God, yeah, this movie is a mess. I wonder if NASA was actually involved <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> oh, scientific accuracy. I don't think we need to spend any time on scientific accuracy in a movie in which Bruce Uh, unironically claims himself to be the world's best deep core driller. Yes. Okay. Can I play a clip for you? Sure. It's it's audio. That's all you have to worry about. Uh, This is, I listen to this a lot. This I've, I've listened. It's from the commentary track of the criterion version of armageddon there's a criterion version of armageddon on dvd and it's a director's cut that is much longer by the way i've watched it me yeah no so on this commentary track it splits the audio uh tracks between i have to interrupt is there a criterion disc of the rock yes there is okay yeah it's only dvd though they haven't put it out in the 2000s it's just a 90s version of the criterion dvd I mean, at least it's in the collection. I was going to lose my fucking whole entire mind. You're good. The rock's on there, man. Okay, Uh, sorry. (laughs) So the the commentary track splits between Michael Bay, Ben Affleck, and Bruce Willis at certain point. We've all heard this story. It's it's Ben Affleck talking about how, like, this doesn't make any sense that you've hired all the riggers and the, yeah, we don't need to listen to this clip, man. It's Are you sure? Because it's hilarious. Okay, play it. Hold up, it's coming right now. Michael, why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers. And he told me to shut shut, shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. He's like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, all right? 
I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> See, here's where we demonstrate that, because Bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank. He did a piss. See, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. But dude, Ben Affleck just does not give two fucks. It's so funny. Delightful. Um, oh, and also, I guess, concerning, given uh, what we know about him now and his uh, relationship to alcohol. Yeah, although he's apparently sober now. Good for him, man. I hope he stays Duncan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's at the heart of this. That's not my problem with the movie. I'm on board for space oil rig astronaut cowboy. Love it. Totally with it the biggest problem with this movie and it comes back to my point about michael bay is that it's two and a half hours long it should uh-huh. no not in any world be over two hours but it needs to be a closer <laughs> to minutes and it somehow feels like it's seven hours long because the training montage is too long the yeah. <laughs> the uh, space station sequence is too long the astro asteroid sequence is too long every scene within those sequences is too long and every shot for as frenetic as they are and as motion heavy as they are is maybe not too long but there's like too many of them so instead of being three seconds of like fast slaps around the control room it's 25 seconds of speedy pans across characters that we've seen twice already for two and a half hours this movie is I hate it. I really don't like it at all. Yeah. Uh, here's a little piece of trivia. NASA shows this film during their management training program. New managers are given the task of trying to spot as many errors as possible. That's at least 168 have been found. Yeah, I'm sure. And they had to stop that program because they're like, oh, you know what? This is actually a waste of our resources. This movie is so dumb that we're, we're going to let you guys stay over two and a half hours and pick out errors. <laughs> um, man, Billy Bob Thornton's in this movie. All right, let's talk about Billy Bob. Um, he He's actually given a fine performance. It's not like hammy or anything. I, I've said it already. I think this is a movie in two halves. And in the second half, I think he starts to land the tone and the energy. For the first half, I think he's sort of echoing this hate maw of Michael Bay. So his role is to be our audience surrogate, right? And tell us everything that's happening right now so that we dummies understand what's going on. And it's so punchy and stupid anyway that it doesn't need an explanation to begin with. And Billy Bob maybe knows that. So the way he's delivering it or the characterization that he's chosen is like, I fucking hate you for asking me this question. Here's the information that you need. I'm going back to sleep now for at least the first hour. And yeah. then he kind of gets into it, you know? And the, uh, that last scene where Affleck hands him the patch, Billy Bob delivers because Billy Bob can fucking act. And that's yeah. an emotional beat. And I don't want to miss a thing. Okay, that song is in the... There are three different... It was made for this movie. No, stop. There are three different opportunities where that would be emotionally appropriate and winning. 
okay? Right before we take off and Ben Affleck has to leave Liv Tyler, give me a little string of that. Instead, we have this ridiculous score. Who did the score of this thing? Because Good that, question. Hold on, I'll look it up. Dude, at that point, the music cue that comes in, I swear to God, is out of tune violins. It's, oh, it's so awful. I hate this movie. It's uh, Trevor Rabin? Man. I've never heard of this guy. There's a reason. I'm sorry to be mean to Trevor Rabin, but that decision in particular, I found really uh, distracting. And I'm just going to move on from there. Yes. Um, oh, I'm spewing hate. Uh, well, I'm about to spew some more hate because Michael <laughs> Bay truly sucks at making this movie. But uh, <laughs> here's two trivia things that I that are kind of great. Um, according to the Criterion commentary, Michael Bay, uh, obviously there are many errors in this movie and he deliberately chose to keep them in there, such as fire in space. And Michael Bay said, it's a movie and not many people know about it. So they kept it in for entertainment value. Yeah, I'm, that's not, not a problem with this movie. <laughs> not a problem. Okay, no, there you go. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. Buddy, you can have, I'm into I a mean, big give, give some accuracy a little bit. That's not this movie. Roland, it's true, it's not this movie, you're right. <laughs> a Roland Emmerich movie can have fire in space. If I'm watching a Roland Emmerich movie, we can sit around a fucking campfire on the moon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fine, that's true. Oh, I would love to see that as a shot. Ad Astra cannot have fire in space. No. Okay. Fair. This can have fire in space. That's not, I have good stuff, fire in space. You know what this movie needs more of? Fire, fire in space, space and space madness. <laughs> it, has, um, it has enough space madness. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, so Michael Bay uh, thinks that this is his worst film. He apologizes for Armageddon because we had to do the movie in 16 weeks. That's not real, is it? 16 weeks for Armageddon? I mean, it shows, dude. Because Yeah, it does. He's like, this was a massive undertaking. That was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could. That's the only part that fucking works, idiot. <laughs> he wants to change what works. <laughs> oh, he's so dumb. I hate him. <laughs> okay, listen. I, I do want to give him a little credit because 16 weeks is not enough time to pull this stuff off. So some of the criticisms that I've leveled about the, like the action choreography specifically, maybe mm -hmm. that's a part of that because- What, you mean like jumping rovers uh, from meteor to meteor or whatever the fuck they that. do? <laughs> that, I'm talking more specifically and I hate to go like uh, fucking too far inside baseball, but the- um like the physical continuity of actor and prop fails several times in this movie and yeah. it fails really in large scales because there's like boulders that come flying through the screen and then the person that they hit isn't in the next shot but the boulder is or shit like they they turn directions in the shot or sorry in the next like shot they break the 180 rule almost all over the fucking place and it's not even the 180 rule. I'm dancing around. That would be an easy way to say the problem of this thing. It's like they <laughs> montaged kinetic motion and tried to pull 
impressions out of it. And yeah. honestly, if they only had that, if that's the assets that they had after 16 weeks, maybe Michael Bay is a really good director. Dude, that's baffling to me. 16 weeks. Yeah, that's a little, I mean, that's not, that's more than a little crazy. That's <laughs> okay. So took 16 weeks to film had nine writers that worked on the script, including J.J. Abrams and Tony Gilroy at one point. Well, they uh, have the credit. Those are the two dudes that get the... The top credit. Yeah, they have an end credit. Or is it Tony Gilroy at the... Uh, it's definitely J.J. Abrams. I don't think it's Tony Gilroy. No, I think it's Robert Roy Poole or Jonathan Hinsley that have the other big credit. But yeah, um, originally it was based on Hinsley's script based on Poole's original idea that had been given the green light by Touchstone, then producer Bruckheimer hired the succession of scribes for rewrites and polishes. Ooh, so we can really blame Bruckheimer for <laughs> creating this mess. Hmm. Blame Hollywood, man. Yeah. Oh, everybody man. got caught on this one. Um, some high points. I really, I do like Peter Stormare. I think he's showing up. Mm-hmm. And I like his whole kind of, his plot actually I think works maybe more than most of them. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, this movie is just messy. If you want a scientifically accurate, more scientifically accurate end of the world movie, Deep Impact actually is pretty accurate for what they are telling you. They are not trying to be some big grandiose movie. And I, I'm like, there's a documentary called, um, oh in the script we trust or something like it's a screenwriting documentary fuck i'm blanking on the name of it but it's about um just screenwriters in hollywood talking about their stories and whether stories have been stolen and deep impact the writer of deep impact was writing in the middle of writing this story and he met up with like maybe not even a friend just like an acquaintance and asked what he was working on and he told him the story of deep impact that person was either one one of these two writers for armageddon that started the script and literally stole his idea and made a much cheesier piece of popcorn flick i mean you and i are both writers and I, there's a lot to hash out in arbitration but i'm really not so much interested in tracking that down until we get into the actual development stage of a screenplay, a specific screenplay, because mm -hmm. what you're describing is two radically different stories about a meteor hitting earth. And that's not, there's no shared DNA in those stories. Oh, well, no, you got the astronauts that go to space to stop the meteor. You follow uh, a love couple of uh, people that are in love. Like there's very similar notes between the movie. They're different stories all around, but they hit very similar beats. You're okay. So again, a blockbuster movie that has a love story is not selling me on anything. That's just how movies work. <laughs> and astronauts trying to fix the problem from space is a natural conclusion. But specifically blowing up a meteor. I mean, well, so this was the thing Wait, that- So you think that you think the, the, uh, the writer of Deep Impact didn't have his story stolen? The I idea- The writer of Deep Impact also 
read about the fact that if this were to happen, here are some of the ways that we might try and solve that and found that inspiring. He didn't invent the idea that NASA- Oh, no, no, no. But like, so you don't think him telling us that he told the story to one of those writers of Armageddon and then the next year Armageddon is being uh, put out before, rushed in 16 weeks, matter of fact, and got put out before Deep Impact. They were trying to beat Deep Impact. That's damning. Yeah. It definitely damned uh, Deep Impact for sure. No one saw that movie. But Deep Impact is also not great, you know? Oh, I disagree. I really like Deep Impact. Sarah and I watched that like three times a year. I really like Deep Impact also. Um, And I probably watch it like once every three years. So I'm not, I'm the inverse of you. But I actually watch it not all. I haven't watched it now because I don't have Sarah here with me, but. Um, I think the, like, I'm sort of entertained by the Elijah Wood storyline, but it really falls apart. And that's where that movie gets real, real bad. And like him convincing her to stay and not go with the family. Yeah. They have the past to the government. Yeah. And then the, like how that all turns out, don't they all make the decision to not go and they're just going to die? I don't know. Just Lily Sobieski stays because she wants to be with Elijah Wood. And then him and his family are trying to get out of the city, but they get stuck in a massive traffic jam. And I can't remember where he, he like sees a dirt bike on the side of the road. And his parents are like, you guys just need to get out of here, get on this bike, take the kid and ride. And they ride up the mountain to get away from the tidal wave. I can't, I'm trying to remember where he gets the dirt bike. <laughs> in, my, in my head, I'm just like, does he fucking knock someone off? And give up? <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter because that is what I'm pointing at. It's like, well, now we're just doing big, dumb movie stuff. Big, so, but that is like the grand finale of the movie. Like, no, they the save all those big. Leone and her dad. That's all, it's all connected. It's yeah, all part of one big montage of the way. Like, Tia Leone dies actually way before Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski get up the mountain. And, okay, now that I'm thinking it through, it's been a while, but I, that's probably the problem that I have with the movie because she's the actual emotional resonance of the movie. And maybe it's got a wrong main character problem. I, see, I think Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski are, like, the emotional core. She has, like, a big one with her dad and everything, but... Yeah, and she's... She's the she's kind of a side character. No, she's the engine of the story. That's the problem with this movie. She makes it happen. She is the emotional resolution of it. And then we ignore her for a whole half a movie to get with Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski. Those are two movies fighting with each other as well. Hmm. I think it works way better in Deep Impact. I think Deep Impact works better than Armageddon. Yeah. 100%. Plus, I really like Mimi Leader. I am also a big fan, for sure. Uh, I'm a fan of Deep Impact. And it's sort of pointing to my fire criticism. Finding a mountain bike is not the problem with that movie. The oh, issue no, is no, that no, no, we need no. to sort of fold these things together in a way, or like I said, I've said it, I think it ignores the main character. Hmm, okay. Okay. Like, it's not the deepest of movies either, but it's... Like, I think it hits the emotional core. Like, I, it gets to me more than Armageddon obviously does as as an adult. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, for sure. No, as an adult, <clears throat> I've said it already. I typed in Deep Impact, and one of the Google images is Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you got anything else? Um, no, I don't think so, man. I got uh, another thing I got to say. Okay. Because I also learned something about my feelings about Liv Tyler during this movie. You hate her. I think I do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really try and extend the benefit of the doubt because I, especially after that thing you do, I found her really pretty solid. You know, even mm -hmm. there are some scenes in that movie where she's really good and that's just it. When she's called upon to deliver emotions, really, really cry or laugh or just like be effervescent. When she has to go to the height of emotion, to the extreme of emotion, she mm -hmm. can deliver. And she's actually very, very good at delivering those moments. I respond to them. In every other moment in the movies that she's in, she's the most wooden, paralyzed, it just feels like there's nothing in her eyes. And when she has to be a normal person in a conversation with another normal person about not life or death, but just like animal crackers, let's say, she can't do anything to convey emotion. It's like she can't even be bothered to pronounce all of her words or deliver the, she's so fucking bored. That okay, so I said this when you said this during that thing you do. Okay. I think there is a move, like she does do that a lot. I know it. I, I can see exactly what you were talking about. And I truly feel like Jersey Girl, okay. she gives one of her most bright and lively performances because she's not being wooden. She's this video store geek who's going to school writing a sex, uh, a sex paper. And like she's really vibrant and she's energetic and she's like trying to get Ben Affleck to like talk about his his life, his dead wife, his kid. And she's trying to pull it out of him. And like, that's very refreshing to see. I think her and Jersey Girl is a solid, solid performance. All right, I'm gonna watch Jersey Girl just cause I, I gotta see this thing through. And right now the idea of her and Affleck pairing again is kind of curious to me. I'm, I'm curious how that would look. Oh, dude, uh, them and Jersey Girl is really good. Their connection in that movie is so much better than Armageddon. <laughs> like, uh, Kevin Smith knows how to write, like, heart. He knows how to write sweet shit. It can be cheesy, but, like, he really does know how to write sweetness. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And I think Jersey Girl is his like sweetest movie overall, like a father daughter story. And I don't know, I dig on Jersey Girl. People hate on it too much because it was that whole phase of um, uh, this was like uh, J Lo and J Lo and Ben Affleck. Yeah, and then they broke up before the movie came out, so that didn't help the movie at all either. So, like, it went through its little phase, and there's like a like a two hour cut of the movie that he said. I want to release, but I don't think it'll ever get released because the, the production studio that owns it, they're just like, eh, we don't care. Hmm. Well, maybe he should buy it from them. Right? Probably too much money. If it's a bit, if it's Miramax or something, like it's probably too much money to buy for him. Yeah. The probably. only thing he owns the rights to are Jay and Silent Bob. Those are his characters. His career just crystallized, he, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. He owns Clerks too. Uh, clerks as well but like that's Jay and Silent Bob essentially right, right. well that's the filmography of Kevin Smith yeah 
and Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck. Yeah. And back to Armageddon, Owen Wilson. Oh man, Owen Wilson. Another reason I hate this movie. He's in it. And you're just like, oh, where did he come from? Wait, he died? And then oh, to bring that full circle in the credit sequence where the big song plays and she's getting married, there's the, the portraits of the dead astronauts. Yeah. And it is one of the worst cases of like red shirt and also that guy. What's oh, his and name? Like, Grugger or some shit like that? <laughs> oh. uh, I, I do want to say the scene of um, Will Patton going to his like former lover, his like ex-wife and their kid. Like that's a great scene, but she's like, she's really mean. She's like, I don't want to see you again. And he's like, I might die. And this is my point. Every single bit of business is rooted in hate. Yeah, but then at the end when she's watching it on TV and the kid's like, oh my God, look at that. She's like, that's your dad. Oh, because now like, he's what? worth something. You hate this guy. I hate Michael Bay. This was the movie, I, you know, I kind of started saying it. it, it I've heard these criticisms of him and I've understood them, but I've never felt them viscerally. And this was the first time where I was just like, oh, there's nothing but this here. And uh -uh. I, I was making the point earlier, action in general is full of this stuff, but there's often less of it. And there's usually action that's good and entertaining. And yeah. this is just... Like Pearl Harbor's war scenes are entertaining to watch for the most part, in my opinion. Like, not all of them. It's mainly the ones with the, like, Cuba on the boat and stuff. I really enjoy the boat sequences. Sure. But, like, the flying sequences are kind of lame. Who cares about two pilots playing fucking chicken? Like, <laughs> come on. You're retarded. Sorry, didn't mean to use that word. <laughs> Have you, I don't know, are there, like, dogfight stuff? Like, I definitely, I love all the Star Wars stuff. I thought some of the stuff in, um, what was the Nolan one from a few years ago with Tom Hardy? That stuff was pretty cool. Dunkirk? Dunkirk, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's in, that's incredible. But Christopher Nolan is like a master of shooting. Okay. Like, so it's not dogfights that you object to. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's Michael Bay playing chicken with pilots. That's yeah. dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I will say his worst movie, worst movie. Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. It is the hardest thing to watch. It is really mind-boggling, mind-numbing. Ugh. Did he make all of those movies or many of them? Just up to the third. Uh, oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's done five of them. Yeah, I think those are, like, the first one, okay, maybe... But collectively, everything after that is his worst movie. I didn't realize he made the ones with like Mark Wahlberg, but I guess that makes sense because they did Pain and Gain. Ugh, awful, awful. Cool. Looking forward yeah. to never. Well, actually, I would watch this again, but it would be like you said, just pure Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah. Well, suck it, Michael Bay. Seriously, man. 